It's good to see you this morning during this Christmas season. I appreciate you being here. Uh, Elizabeth's workload has got me missing Christmas parties, so I don't know about her. I tried to enter, injure her yesterday, and that didn't stop her a bit, so accidentally, naturally. <clears throat> yeah, her finger got in the way of the drill bit, so yeah. She didn't say a bad word, and she didn't hit me. She just ran away saying, that hurt, that hurt. Don't talk to me. Don't look at me. <laughs> About 30 minutes later, she came back and said, it's okay. Let's go. <laughs> no? Go back to work. I thought we was going to, you know, take the rest of the day off. No. She's tough. And, uh, Raina up there. Raina, are you listening to me? She was leaning so far over that thing, I thought she was going to jump when she was counting people a while ago. Don't do that. You scared me. Luke chapter 2 this morning. Luke chapter 2. I want to look at what does Christmas mean to you? We're going to read the first 20 verses together. So hang in there. Luke chapter 2. We start the Christmas story. It says... And it came to pass in those days that a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This census first took place while Quirinius was governing Syria. So all the people went to be registered, everyone to his own city. Joseph also went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth into Judea to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed wife, who was with child. So it was that while they were there, the days were completed for her to be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. Now there were in the same country shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. Behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were greatly afraid. Then the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly... There was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. So it was when the angels had gone away from them into the heaven that the shepherds said to one another, Let us now go to Bethlehem and see this thing which has come to pass, which the Lord has made known to us. And they came with haste found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. Now when they had seen him, they made widely known the saying which was told them concerning this child. And all who heard it marveled at those things which were told them by the shepherd. But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. Then the shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen as it was told them. Let's pray. Father, it's good to be in your house today. So we pause right now before we look at your word. Help us to be still and know that you are God. And Father, would you speak to our hearts? 
from your word, by the power of your Holy Spirit, as only you can. Lord, teach us, convict us, encourage us, meet us at our greatest point of need. And when we leave this place, we'll praise your name. But Father, there are those here who have never accepted Jesus Christ as your public Lord and Savior. And they need to do that today before it's everlastingly too late. Speak to their hearts about their greatest need, for that is our greatest need. And Lord, we will leave this place rejoicing as the angels in heaven will rejoice over one who comes to you. We praise you for all things. It's in Christ's name I pray. Amen. When I say, what does Christmas mean to you? There are a lot of answers from a lot of different people. If you ask a child, they usually say, presents! And that's the way a child is supposed to respond. Often, when I talk to those who we call elderly, Christmas means loneliness. Because family and friends have passed on. And they celebrate it basically alone. To parents, it means stress, money, and that perfect event unraveling. Been there? Done that. For pastors and staff, it means busy, busy, busy. For Brother Ronnie, it means getting the music together. For some, it means getting the parties organized. For a business person, it means counting the receipts, making sure special orders are being met, and dealing with cranky customers. Been there, too. For families, it means getting together from all over the United States as we have scattered. It really means the crush of the rush to a lot of folks. Get it done, get it over, get with it. But if you don't hear anything else, please hear this. Chris, Christmas has to mean something beyond ourselves. It has to mean something beyond ourselves. And fortunately for us, God himself has... Christmas means that God faithfully loves us. God faithfully loves us. That shows up in two or three ways. First of all, Christmas means that God can and will deal with us in unusual ways. God can and will deal with us in unusual ways. Three illustrations of that. Notice the couple, Mary and Joseph. What an unlikely couple to raise God's son. I mean, it's really radical when you think that Mary's going to have a baby, God's son, and yet she's a virgin. And yet it's true. Think about her being 13 or 14 years old, the, the, the age that you were betrothed as a Jewish young lady, and, and the age you got married. And the angel appearing to her. What an unusual thing. It would have scared the pants off of me, and that would not have been a pretty sight. Y'all will catch that later. Think of Joseph, a simple carpenter of godly character who loved her. When he finds out that she's expecting a child, he knows it's not his. He's kept the law. He's waited for marriage. His heart must have been broken. But God is dealing with him in an unusual way. As he reveals in a dream, it's okay. Mary hasn't betrayed you. My son is who she's having. And he obeys. Hmm. You see, that couple 
had lots of plans and dreams, but they changed their will for God's will. Do we? Are we willing to change, to be used by God, ordinary people in extraordinary ways as he deals with us? See, God still uses people who are willing, just as he used that couple. But not just the couple. I noticed the second group I call the castaways. I call them the castaways because society had cast them off. They're the shepherds. I want you to think how unusual it is that the Jewish nation has been waiting for centuries for the birth of their Messiah, the Savior of the world. They expected a political Messiah riding a big white horse to charge in, use God's power to defeat the Romans, bring them back to the majesty of the kingdom of David and of Solomon. Let them be foremost in all the world. But God didn't make his announcement to the rich and powerful, to the movers and shakers. He didn't make his announcement to the scribes, the Pharisees, the priests, the high priest, but to shepherds. Shepherds were considered unclean because they didn't keep the ceremonial law because they were out in the fields with their flocks. They didn't uh, keep all the laws. They were sort of notorious for not doing that. They were considered unclean, unworthy, and looked down upon. And yet God surprised them by dealing with them. Here's an angel appears in the nighttime as they're watching their flocks, a normal duty. And the angel appears and says, greetings. Woo! You talk about upsetting somebody's night. They're afraid. He says, don't be afraid. I bring you good tidings of great joy, not just for you, but for all people. And after that, the whole heavens is filled with the heavenly host singing and praising God. What a Christmas Eve. God dealing with people in unexpected ways. You see, the good news is that God can and will use anyone. Did you hear that? God can and will use anyone. But even better news no one is too low or too bad for God to save and redeem. Lowly shepherds, criminals, all have the same hope. They'll trust in Jesus as their Savior. He didn't leave any of us nobodies out. That's good news, y'all. It wasn't just for the rich and famous. It wasn't for the upper crust of society. It wasn't for those that were powerful, those that had lots of money. It was for everyday folks like you and me. That Jesus came. And Christmas means he deals with us in unexpected ways. Whatever our station in life is. If we will allow him. The third group I see is just one. It's a single. The child. The child. God's Messiah, as I said, wasn't born in a palace. He wasn't born in the temple. Wasn't born to rich folks. Wasn't born to a mighty general with lots of armies. He was born to a Poor carpenter and a teenage girl, and he had to sleep that first night in a manger. What an unexpected thing. They expected the Messiah to arrive on the scene on a charging white horse, like I said. They expected him to be powerful and mighty, and yet they come and they look at the face of the Messiah in a baby 
called Jesus. Named Jesus because he would save his people from their sins. Called Emmanuel because it meant God was with them. God was with them just as he's with us. What an unexpected thing. You see, God still deals in unexpected ways in our lives in small things. If you don't believe that, think of what God arranged for you to understand the gospel and to accept Jesus as your own Savior. How did he draw you? What events had to take place in your life? How many times have you prayed and not seen a way out and God just sort of worked it out? God is still dealing with us that way. But we need to be open to how he wants to move. We need to be ready to surrender our will to his. Because God deals with us in unusual ways. His ways for his purposes. And that's good news. Especially at Christmas time. The second thing I see is this. Christmas means, now get it, God really cares. Christmas means God really does care. He kept his word. He kept his promises. All the way back to Genesis when he told the woman, the serpent will bruise your seed's heel, but your seed will crush his head. All the way to Abraham. In you, all the families of the earth will be blessed. On down. Let's go to David. You will have a king after you that will always be the king. His name is King Jesus. See, it means God really cares. He didn't just send another mortal prophet. He didn't send a messenger like they would today on how to live a good life. How to be happy. He didn't send a book and leave it there, the Bible, for us not to be able to understand. He gave us his spirit to teach us. But most of all, God cared enough to send the very best he had, his only well-loved son. Jesus is his name. Heaven's best for earth's worst. That's how much he cared. He cared enough that he sent Jesus to die on the cross as the perfect lamb of God to pay for my sin debt and your sin debt. For whosoever will. We would just simply repent and place our faith in him. We could be saved from our sins. We could have fellowship with him now and forevermore. Hallelujah. It's the good news of Christmas. What a way to deal with us. It means that God really cares. There's an old saying, and we forget it because everybody says it's trite, but here's what it says. Actions speak louder than what? Sure, you've heard this saying. Do we really focus on what that means? Actions speak louder than words. Think of all God had to do to arrange for Jesus to be born and fulfill all the prophecies. All that God had to do to see his son live a perfect life and die on the cross and raise from the dead so that we could have eternal life. All God's pre-planning from eternity past to eternity future are fulfilled when Jesus rose from the dead Ascended to the Father and is waiting to come again. It means God really does care about us. 
Whatever your situation, wherever you find yourself, his actions, no matter what your circumstances, prove that he loved us once and for all when Jesus spread his arms on that cross and died. Wherever you're at, whatever circumstance you're in, it doesn't change God's love one iota, one little bit. God really does care. And this was a love of God demonstrated towards us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. While we were still in our sins, while we were still enemies of God, while we were still unclean, why we deserve the wrath of God. We deserve death and hell. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Savior, our Lord. God cares. Hmm. If that doesn't make you happy at Christmas, something's wrong with you. You're worse than the Grinch. You're a grouch. I can say that because Elizabeth says that's my nature. But she's working on it. I'm getting better. One day at a time. The last thing is this. So Christmas means... That God deals with us in unusual ways. Christmas means that God really cares. But Christmas really means that God has invaded our world. This world right now is the dominion of Satan and his demons. But God invaded it. You talk about the greatest rescue mission ever. And it was Jesus coming to save us from our sins. Raised from the dead to give us hope. And promised that he's coming back. But what do we mean when I say that he's invaded the world? It means, I get it, that we have no choice but to deal with him. See, we call it Advent. Lots of Christians call it Advent. Here's what Advent simply means. The arrival of a special person, date, or event. Well, (laughs) Jesus being born was more than just special. It was miraculous. It was powerful. It was the completion of God's promises until the cross completed them all. And when he comes back, everything will be completed. You see, Jesus coming was literally God breaking into history and changing everything for lost mankind. See, all the people who ever met Jesus as he walked this sinful sod had to deal with Jesus. They had a choice to make. You may be sitting there and think, I don't have to. Yeah, you do. If you don't, you've already made a choice. No. You say, wait. No. It's only when you say yes that you've made the proper choice. The second thing under that of dealing with God We face eternal consequences for our choices in dealing with Jesus. We face eternal consequences for our choices in dealing with Jesus. I want to make it very clear. Don't make a mistake. All of us have to directly deal with Jesus. I cannot depend on my mother's righteousness or my Sunday school's 
teacher's righteousness. Or Brother Crease's righteousness as he helped me so much. I had to depend on the righteousness of Christ. And it only comes as I repent of my sins and place my faith in him. Because it says, he made him, Jesus, who knew no sin, to be sin for me. That I might become the righteousness of God in him. I'm going to lay it out. Either Jesus was who he said he was, the Son of God, the Savior. And all the promises he made were true, or he was the most evil madman that has ever lived. And your choice determines what you believe about him. Do you really believe that Jesus is who he said he was? Do you really believe when he said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. Do you really believe that? Or do you think you have some special unction, some special pass? You know, do not pass, go. Go directly to heaven, not hell. No. He either is who he said and the claims he made were true, or he's the biggest liar there ever was. You decide what you believe about him. But you're held responsible, and I'm held responsible For those decisions. And it's eternal consequences. So what do you believe about Jesus? How have you dealt with him? Well, you know, my mama was baptized and I was baptized. I didn't say if you were baptized, a member of a church, if you gave a lot, if if you did good works. You do those things after you're saved because you're saved. They don't have anything to do with your salvation. One thing and one thing alone saves us, and that's a personal love relationship with Jesus Christ. It does not happen until we bow our knees, place our faith in Him, and confess our sins. Repent. And remember, actions speak louder than words. We can mouth it here, but do our lives show that we belong to Jesus? Do our thoughts show we belong to Jesus? Does what we say show we belong to Jesus? See, I'm not one of those Baptists that believe you get a jail-free card and then you can do whatever you want. That's not what Baptists believe. I believe that if any man is in Christ, he's a new creature. Behold, all things have passed away. All things have become new. That's what it means to be saved. The old Gary Wise, I hope, is gone. The new Gary Wise is in Christ. What about you? Are you in Christ? See, I said you had to deal with it. Hebrews 9.27 reminds us. It is appointed once for a person to die. And then comes the judgment. In other words, we die and then we stand before God. Whether we want to or not, we're going to stand before God. And he's going to open the book of life. He's turning the pages for our name. He already knows. But he wants us to think about what we've done or not done. And he either says, welcome. Come into the peace that's been prepared for you. Or he says, depart from me. I never knew you. We're responsible for what we've done with Jesus. And because God invaded our world, we have to deal with him. Because God changed history at that moment when the Messiah was born and when he crucified and rose again. And ultimately, he's coming back. It works like this. I meet with people all the time. 
You try to tell me they've got lots of time, they're young, or they got this to do or that to do, or somebody's turned them off from church, and they make all kinds of excuses in the world. But see, minutes turn into hours. You know, hours turn into days, days turn into months, months turn into years. And when we don't do something before long, it ends. And then comes the judgment. Because we've put it off. I don't believe in second chances. God's got a second chances in this life. Remember what Jesus said about the rich man and dives or Lazarus? They both died. Lazarus, because of his faith, went to Abraham's bosom, another term for heaven among the Jewish people. It said that the rich man and dives is just sort of a Latin term for a rich man. Looked up, being in torment. Couldn't cross that great gulf. No more chances. His fate was sealed when he died. Not accepting Christ. What have you done with Jesus? And have you shared Jesus with other folks? Let's pray. Father. Some folks need to come today accepting Christ as their personal Lord and Savior. Convict them by your Holy Spirit to do that. Give them the strength to do that. Give them the courage to do that, to make that public. Father, some folks need to join this church. They've been visiting and visiting. This is the place for them. You've convinced them of that. Lord, they can join by baptism or letter or statement. Some need to come and rededication. They've claimed Jesus as their Savior, but maybe their love has grown a little cold and they need to get back to where you want them. Father, others need to come and surrender. Surrender parts of their lives. Surrender burdens. Surrender to you and your will. But Lord, have your way with us because we are your people and we wait for you. I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.